The best meditation I ever had, I haven't had yet. It's in the future, which is anyone knows uh, doesn't exist. Anyone who meditates knows. But yet I'll have it someday. The best lifetime I've ever experienced hasn't occurred yet. I've had billions of lives. I've been around the universe almost as long as the universe, I think. I remember my lives. You don't. Or you remember a few. I remember billions. And I've had wonderful lives. I've had wonderful lives. Beautiful lives. Lives of struggle, lives of battle, lives of ecstasy. I've had beautiful lives. And this is a beautiful life I'm in now. It's a hard life as they go, but it's a beautiful life. But I haven't had the best lifetime yet. It's, it's around the corner, I know it is. It hasn't occurred yet. Because things get better in infinity, as we get better. And in each lifetime, we get better. The universe is always ecstasy, and it's always perfect. But we don't perceive it that well. And if we keep doing our yoga in every lifetime, we perceive it more correctly. So it isn't that infinity gets better. I have no doubt that it could if it was in the mood. And maybe it does. But the real issue is perception in meditation. Meditation is the study of perception. And what we seek to do in meditation is refine, which means simply make more accurate our perception of things. So I haven't had the best meditation I can, I can have. Because there's no end to the refinement of perception. Yes, I say that I am enlightened. What does that mean? It means I live in a condition of light. After many years of meditating and practicing, I've reached a, a point that can't be described or discussed, where one is always in a condition of light. There is really no primary self anymore. It comes back in every life without me seeking it. One has to refine it, but it just comes back unsought. So I live in a condition of light inside my mind. Nice. But that condition of light can be refined. There's no end to it. Because we perceive the universe through the universe. We perceive light through light. And there's no end to the gradients of perfect light. So I believe that the best lifetime hasn't occurred. I don't think the most beautiful sunrise to be seen in the world has been seen on this earth. It isn't that the sunrise will grow more beautiful, it's that we will. And we'll perceive it more completely than anyone before. And you might say, well, God, you know, the universe is filled with a lot of slimy stuff. I mean, there's pollutants in the air. I bet, you know, there wasn't much aura on the earth in the time of Atlantis. And you could really see then. You say, well, that's true, but, you know, those, those chemicals create beautiful sunsets. See, Buddhists are optimists. We never saw sunsets in Atlantis like we do now. We didn't have all those great chemicals in the air. <laughs> so, so what is beauty? Is beauty the acknowledgement that, that chemicals in the air create beauty? Or is be would beauty be to bitch about it and say, well, we had God back in Atlantis. It was much nicer. Now, now, what does it mean? I would think it would mean you're further along in your perception of beauty if you can see beauty in things that other people wouldn't consider beauty. It's the refinement of our nature that is perfection. It's not a thing that we go and do. There's, you're seeking a perfect town, a perfect car, a perfect uh, wife or husband, a perfect uh, teacher. 
you're missing it. There's the, the perfection is in your apprehension, not in the thing. It's in your apprehension, in your perception of things. You want a perfect job? Create a perfect mind, and whatever your job is, it will be perfect. You want a perfect life? Create a perfect mind. And whatever your life is, it will be perfect. You want to see a perfect sunset? Create a perfect mind. And look at this sunset, any sunset, and you'll see a perfect sunset. I've lived in worlds where there are three or four suns. We had incredible sunsets. Beautiful. But they weren't more beautiful than here, if my mind is more beautiful in each life. Eternity becomes more beautiful as we age, if we age well. If we age poorly, then we don't improve our minds. We don't refine all the aspects of our being. But if we age well, and I mean age not just within a lifetime, but in a multi-life sequence, In other words, uh, enlightenment is not static. You know, there's just this sense of well, the Buddha was enlightened. Great, good for him. And, and that's like some absolute, meaning that's the highest enlightenment. Or once you're there, that's, you know, that's it. It's sort of like a PhD. You got your PhD. But what does that mean? When you get one, I've got one. It means that you've passed some comprehensive exams, taken classes, and written a dissertation, and done a lot of classwork and research. And now you have a vague understanding of your field. And now your job is, now that you have your PhD, you're going to go out and actually learn something about it. All, all the PhD ensures is that you have some vague understanding of how large the field is. And you have some methods uh, to approach uh, it with. So enlightenment simply means that you've gotten above the body-mind uh, complex. Uh, you've refined the self, dissolved it in the white light of eternity, and gone through all the gradient shifts. I mean, it's, it's technical. But, but it doesn't end there. In other words, the the, we have this view that enlightenment is, you know, once you're enlightened, that's sort of it. That's the end of the show. You just kind of hang out in this quiescent state. You don't know that the quiescent state changes and moves all the time. It's never the same. And if you become the quiescent state, which is what enlightenment means, it means that you're never the same. You move and shift as the quiescent state in a body or out of it. And since the quiescent state is perpetual and endless ecstasy, therefore you're endless. You're not finite, you're infinite. So the end of all meditation is the beginning of all meditation. It's the refinement of one's nature. The refinement ultimately in advanced meditation of enlightenment itself. Enlightenment can be refined, which may seem like a strange concept, but who cares about concepts? the reality of the issue is there's no end to it. Since infinity is by its very nature infinite, then enlightenment by its very nature is infinite and thus can be experienced in infinite ways by itself or without itself. So the most beautiful day hasn't dawned. Uh, the most beautiful lifetime has not been experienced. The most beautiful meditation has not been had, even by the enlightened. That's, that's, I guess that's the good news is it doesn't end. Enlightenment is not an end. Nor is it a beginning. It's just there's no separation between the quiescent perfect state and anything else. Inside your mind. Everything's inside your mind. Enlightenment isn't out there. It's just inside your mind. But it's not an, an intellectual understanding. It's not a knowledge that can be taught. You can't teach someone to be enlightened. It's something you have to go and do. 
You can't teach someone to meditate well. It's something you have to go and do. You can explain, we'll do this, focus on this, dissolve the ego this way. There's a lot of technical material that you learn as you advance. A lot of it very technical. As you go in and out of the different samadhis, as you learn to dissolve the self in a variety of ways. Things that we don't teach to people unless they're very far along. It wouldn't make any sense. They wouldn't be understood. The motions of infinity. You have to learn the motions of infinity with your mind. Your mind becomes a perfect mirror for the motions of infinity. Sometimes you watch the Olympics uh, and you see one of these people who's on the bars, you know, the parallel bars, the uneven bars. They start to do these wonderful flips, spins. I mean, they're moving so fast that you can barely see what they're doing. And unless you know their art very well, you wouldn't know the names for the ten different spins and shifts they just did. But each of those spins is quite technical. And of course they're judged on how well they technically uh, execute very refined motions. But they're all put together so quickly that you was just, wow, look at that guy spinning around, that's amazing. But it's even more amazing if you knew how many motions are in each spin. So in advanced meditation we learn to do something like that with our minds. There are methods and formations of joining the mind with the various aggregate aspects of the universe, with the universal mind, fusing it, dissolving it, things like that that are done sometimes thousands of times in a microsecond or outside of time. That's the tech of, of advanced meditation. But it's really all the same. Infinity is really all the same. Mind is really all the same. There's only one infinity even though they're countless infinities. It's really all the same. All of life is colored by your perceptual field. And whenever you're in a perceptual field, it seems like it's ultimate. It's a self-wrapping uh, consciousness. There doesn't seem or appear to be anything else other than the attention field you're in. It's an ultimate view. And so it's important to remember that there are countless views in infinity. So someone says, well, I'm enlightened. That means they have a particular view and maybe their view is above everyone else they've ever met. But that doesn't mean it's ultimate, because it can't be ultimate. Infinity is the ultimate view. And to have it, you can't exist. You can't be in finite form. So no one can ever be said to have the ultimate view, because all views ultimately are beyond perception, if they're at all advanced. So the study of advanced meditation, then, is the ability to undo the most impressive views there are. In other words, what you try to do in beginning meditation is become consistent and meditate every day. In intermediate meditation, you try and always reach ecstasy and deeper and deeper forms of ecstasy. But in, in advanced meditation, what you're really learning to do is to undo the most perfect perceptual states because every perfect perceptual state is seen as a trap. There's nothing wrong with it but it's limited. And so the game is, the more perfect the perceptual state, the less real it can be. The more you're drawn to the, the latest nirvana, and it's like restaurants. You, know, you find the new wonderful restaurant in the city, and it's just the best restaurant there is. You have to immediately leave it, after you've had dinner, by the way, <laughs> and tried the dessert and gone through the whole experience. Then you have to leave it, because the mere fact that it seems ultimate tells you that it's not. Since there can't be any ultimate in infinity, you immediately have to leave it. 
But then you have to find the next ultimate. You're always looking for the ultimate. It's kind of like journeying to Ixalan. You're never going to get there. But there's no reason not to try. You're never going to eat the best food. Somebody must be hungry. I'm feeling all this hunger psychically. <laughs> You're never going to eat the best food that there is because maybe it hasn't even been discovered yet. But there's no reason not to try. So in advanced meditation, what we're always trying to do is avoid illusions. In intermediate meditation, we're trying to create illusions, the illusion of perfect meditation. But once we've achieved perfect meditation, we're, we're terribly trapped because that's an illusion. There's no such thing. It's necessary to first reach the point of perfect meditation so that you can see beyond that. But ultimately, enlightenment is an illusion. Enlightenment, of course, is real. But what I'm suggesting is any enlightenment that seems ultimate is an illusion. There can't be anything ultimate. So advanced meditation is a process of constantly undoing perfection. Because as soon as it seems to be perfect, we're trapped. We're stuck in an idea form uh, of perfection. And all these idea forms, of course, come out of the, the seamless void. So advanced meditation is the study of the simple. That is to say, we come back to the most basic things and we see them as far more infinite than the most infinite things. So I can go shopping and pick up some bounty towels. Paper towels? The three-pack? <laughs> you know the one. And I can go home and open those up and look at them and see more infinity in them than in the Buddha's best meditation. In the three-pack. If I can't do that, that means I'm wrapped by the Buddha's best meditation. That means I see it as ultimate. And if I see it as ultimate, of course, that means I'm stuck in a view that can't possibly be since nothing can be ultimate in the universe. There can't be anything ultimate in infinity because infinity is boundless. So advanced meditation is a continual process where we come back to the beginning. In the beginning, we reject the senses, we reject... Uh, the mind, we reject feeling. Meaning we feel that they're limited. We don't reject them, but we just don't spend all our time in them. In immediate meditation, we hardly ever utilize those forms anymore. But in advanced meditation, if we happen to be in a body, we come back to those most basic things and we see infinity in thoughts, in physical things, and in emotions. So it seems very strange to see, you see a very advanced master who's got a girlfriend, who uh, listens to rock and roll, who um, thinks about uh, things that are very earthy. And you say, well, how can this be? You see, yet they glow. You say, why would they be interested in these things? You don't understand. The advanced course has to do with coming back to everything that you had to reject in the beginning and seeing it as a far greater uh, infiniteness than everything that you've attained. But what you see is not the same as what everyone else sees, of course, because you've already mastered samadhi, or been mastered by it. You've already mastered all the quiescent states in the universe in infinity, or enough, anyway. And you've refined the being out of existence, so it's perfectly possible to come back to the most sensorial level of perception and see all the infiniteness of all the endless quiescent states in uh, breadcrumbs, uh, the, uh, what are those things? Uh, croutons, the croutons in the Pepperidge Farm, cheese and garlic. 
Yeah, I go to the supermarket, I buy the pack, and in one of those croutons is all of nirvana. And that physical sensorial apprehension is infinity plus. <laughs> so you come back to the beginning, that's why in the searching for the ox sequence, and some of them, at the very end of that sequence of the Zen paintings, uh, we're back in the world again. We go around the circle, we go back to where we started, and we're back in the marketplace, in the picture, uh, the block print, uh, searching for the ox sequence, where they're depicting the enlightenment experience in Zen. And we're, we're right back where we started. We're hanging out again, we're in our Levi's, we're doing, going to work, we're, we're no longer. But the, the thing is, we're, we're doing something different with our mind, though, than we were at the start. We've already become enlightened, but now we're uh, seeing if enlightenment really exists in everything, like they say it does in the books. Uh, we've gone back to being very common, but not really. We're in different infinities all the time. So, so consumer goods become enlightening. Uh, relationships, anything, it doesn't really matter, because infinity exists uh, in everything. Greater than the greatest, smaller than the smallest, the self dwells in the heart's of all, in the Upanishads. Um, if that's really true, then, then infinity is everywhere. But of course, you have to develop the, the mindlessness to perceive it in its infinite perfection in all forms and formlessness. So advanced enlightenment is really uh, the apprehension that we have not seen the most beautiful sunset or the most beautiful sunrise, or the most beautiful life or death. That in all things and everything and in nothing, there's God, there's nirvana, there's infinity. And while we have to leave a lot of things originally to purify our perception, in the end we just uh, realize there's no end. It just goes on forever in countlessly new forms. That's what's wonderful about the universe. It's not finite, it's infinite.